Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. Today we are privileged to have a guest speaker. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, New Hope. How are you guys doing? Good to see you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad you are here. Those of you joining us uh, from our Garner location, uh, we just want to say a special welcome to you, um, as well as anyone joining us over at NCCIW um, and our virtual community on the other side of that TV screen or that computer screen. So glad that you are here. So glad that you guys are here. I'm incredibly excited about where we're going to go this morning. And uh, as Pastor Fuller said, I'm, my name is Scott Stevenson, the student pastor. And anytime I get up here, the first two things that I like to do is, first of all, just say how incredibly honored I am at this opportunity to be able to uh, uh, teach on the main stage in a big church, as we always call it, and to just love the opportunity to get in front of, of, of you guys. And uh, I always love the opportunity to give out a little shout out to all the middle school students, high school students, and uh, parents of students in the house. So where are you at this morning? There we go. Even over in Garner. Even over in Garner with Pastor Kevin. Pastor Kevin's doing an incredible job over at Garner. But good to see you guys. You're my people. You're my people. And uh, so we are excited today. And uh, as you can see, I mean, you came on a great Sunday. Uh, not because I'm teaching, uh, but you came on a great Sunday because we are launching our brand new series, Unlikely Heroes. And we have been planning this uh, for a long time. And so I am incredibly excited to be able to open up the doors and just to kind of give the starting point for this entire series for the next several weeks. And throughout the next few weeks, you're actually going to hear from a lot of different pastors as we really kind of unpack and dissect and really take some very cool angles on some people who are very well known in the Bible and some that aren't really that well known, but these very unlikely people that God chose to use to be the hero. And so this morning, we're actually jumping right in. And as Pastor Fuller said, I am certain that there is going to be something in every single week for every single one of you, something for you guys to walk away with, something for you guys to learn, something for you guys to think about, something for all of us to be able to stretch and grow our faith. So our first unlikely hero, he was an underdog. I mean, he was such an underdog. He was a nobody that no one noticed from nowhere special. All of his brothers, they actually had the talent that people noticed. His brothers were the ones that people recognized. But to everyone else, the guy that we're going to talk about today was just average. Have you ever felt like that? Just average? Maybe a tad overlooked? Maybe not quite good enough? Well, that's how this 18-year-old guy felt. And that's how people viewed him. But what's so crazy is that even though this 18-year-old was pretty unimpressive to everyone else, what we're going to find out today is that God could actually see inside of this guy what nobody else could see, and that was his heart. And very little did this teenager, please know that, this teenager, very little did he know that he would soon face a battle that would completely change how people viewed him. Little did this teenager know that he would soon step into a role that no one ever saw coming. So today, our unlikely hero is David. Now, 
I'm going to go ahead and assume that a lot of us here probably know a little bit about David, if not a lot about David. We've heard the name, we've heard some of the stories about David, or maybe we've heard the stories and didn't associate with David, but we're going to kind of get familiarized with it. But just in case, we wanted to provide you guys with just a very quick refresher on the life of David. So ladies and gentlemen, here is the lowdown on David. Take a look. Okay, so little dude was out in the field with his sheep, right? You know, keeping them in line, protecting them from predators, keeping it real. When his dad is all yelling for him to come home, he's like, David, come on in, son, okay? And he's all like, what? And there's this old dude standing there, looking at his seven older brothers in a line, like a stalker, and he looks at David and he's all like, yep, he's on. <laughs> Creepy! That's totally weird! So my man David's like a total rock star on the harp, right? So Samuel, the old dude, takes him back to the king, who's having these like wicked bad nightmare fits in his, and every time David plays, the king calms down like a toddler in front of baby Einstein. Then one day, David brings food to his brothers who are fighting in the army, and there's this giant punk who keeps talking smack about the Israelites. So little David gets up and is all like, dude, bring it. And he brings down the mentor with a single stone from his slingshot. Awesome. If that wasn't enough, my homeboy grabs his sword, cuts off dude's head. Ouch! That was frick nasty. Can I get a what what and a face? So, King Saul thinks that's pretty tight, so he gives David his daughter for his wife. Sweet! And makes him commander of his army. Russell Crowe style. On my command, unleash hell! But then he gets all jealous when he hears the people shouting in the streets about how David's so much cooler than he is. So he tries to stab him with a spear while he's rocking the harp one day. What's that all about? Oh boy, has got some issues! Mm-hmm, yeah he do! David escapes to hide out in the cave, thanks to his BFF Jonathan, who is also the king's son. I love you, man. I love you too, man. Awkward. But Saul puts a hit out on my homeboy, and he's running like John from Kate plus the eight. To deal with all his feelings alone in the cave, he does what any real man would do. He journals. What? It really helps. You know, not that I know anything. I'm just saying. Eventually, Saul gets sauced in a battle, and David finally becomes king. He starts off in style by dancing in his underwear in front of a crowd. <laughs> That's just crazy talk. And his wife thinks that's a bit overkill. Life is good, he's living the high life, when one day he gets bored and he sees this hot chick next door taking a bubble bath on her roof. Like, who takes a bubble bath on their roof? Seriously, what's that all about? What is that, a Cialis commercial? Anyway, needless to say, this is where he gets himself in trouble. When he finds out he's about to be baby daddy, he tries to weasel his way out of it and he offs his neighbor. OJ style. If the gloves don't fit, you must acquit. Then our man David gets his knees to beg God for forgiveness and gets back on track. Attaboy, David. Hands is thrown over to his 12-year-old witch kid Solomon and dies known as a man after God's own heart. Not bad for a raggedy heart-playing shepherd boy turned king, eh? Well, anyway, that's the Lego lowdown on my man David. Peace! <laughs> Nice, nice. So you kind of get it now, right? You, you know where we're going. And so that is basically the very brief lowdown on David, the complete lowdown on the life of David. King David. David who killed Goliath David. Heroic David. But what's crazy is that that's not how David started out. What a lot of us know about David, that's not how he started out. And today, we're actually just going to focus on one simple aspect of David's life. 
We're just going to focus on one particular moment, and that's really kind of the start of it all. Before he killed Goliath, before he sat on the throne of Israel, before his debacle with Bathsheba, before he died being known as a man after God's own heart. You see, the video actually put it perfectly. David was a raggedy, harp-playing shepherd boy. David was a shepherd. All he did all day was watch sheep. I mean, can you imagine how boring that would be just to sit all day long and watch sheep? Some of you guys think your job is boring, right? And I'm going to assume that a lot of us might not know too much about sheep, right? I'm going to assume that a lot of us really don't know much, that, much about sheep. Now, if I can just kind of throw this out there, sheep gross me out. Like, let, let me just go ahead and just throw that out there. It's like, how much stuff can you really get caught in your fur? Um, it's like, at some point, we, we got to figure something out. But sheep just gross me out. And what's crazy is that sheep really aren't the smartest animals out there either. Did you know that sheep have been known to walk off of cliffs because the sheep in front of them walked off a cliff? I don't know why the front sheep walked off the cliff to, to begin with, to start this whole domino effect. But, but like I said, sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. And so this morning, this week I did some research on sheep. And I thought I would be able to share with you guys some of my findings, like my top four thing that I really think will help with this kind of sheep issue that I'm having here. And so you ready for this? All right, rapid fire. You can tweet this if you want to. It's cool. Okay, so here it is. The first one. Raising sheep is the oldest organized industry. Interesting, right? So David's kind of a pioneer, you know? Like it's so vintage, and the vintage is so hot right now, you know? <laughs> so raising sheep is the oldest organized industry. Next one. Sheep, if they're on their back, they cannot get back onto their feet. They have to be helped up, right? It's like you're not a turtle. Like learn to flip over. That's, <laughs> that's an issue here, all right? Third, sheep do not have teeth in their upper front jaw. So these bad boys, they don't exist in sheep, right? Like sheep are like hillbillies, you know, like nothing, nothing. Number four, this is kind of like the, 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 the bow on top of it all. The average respiration rate, meaning how often they breathe, for a sheep is 16, one six, 16 breaths per minute, all right? So on top of all of these previous facts that we just threw out there, the sheep are like the awkward, slow, loud breathers of the animal kingdom. Uh, right? And no one likes that. So come on, sheep, you know? And so that is what David did. Now, again, don't say you didn't learn anything today because there you have it. There was something in there that you didn't know. And so that's what David did all day. And that is in no way glamorous, like sheep were David's posse. And if you're buddies with David, you know exactly what you're getting for Christmas and for your birthday and for every single day of Hanukkah. You know exactly what's coming that your way. You're right, a wool sweater. You have tons of them already. Now, here's what David doesn't realize. Here's what David might not have caught on to just yet. It's that God is using the repetition of a boring daily routine to train David. 
You see, on a couple of different occasions, you can read about this. On a couple of different occasions, bears and lions, and according to the videos, dragons too, would actually attack the flock that David was tending to. And so David had to fight them off with what he had. And all that David had was a shepherd's staff, some rocks, and a slingshot like Dennis the Menace style, you know? And so ultimately, fighting off these lions, fighting off these bears would prepare David for one of the most epic battles in the entire Bible. But like I said, we're not even going there this morning. Now, how often do you and I complain about routines? I mean, we don't like routines. I mean, the repetition of waking up, going to work, going to school, taking care of the kids, running to the store, running here, running there, attempting to spend time with God. These sometimes mundane things that we do or try to do each and every day. They grow old sometimes. But what I think that you and I don't always realize is that God actually trains the world-changing heroes away from the crowd. God actually trains the world-changing heroes where no one can see them being faithful in the small things. And for our boy David... The routine of watching sheep day in and day out is about to change drastically. See, one morning, David woke up like every other morning. The sun was just coming up over the hills of Moab, and David was waking up, walking towards the field where his sheep were. Probably the exact same path that he walked every single day. He might have walked that path so many times that he kind of made his own trail. Maybe his feet were even getting a little wet from the dew on the grass. But David is making his way out to the field as he did every single morning. And at that same time that David was getting up and going to work at the field, hundreds of miles away, a prophet by the name of Samuel had just woken up. And he, Samuel, had just received this disturbing message from God. You see, God had just told Samuel that he wanted a new king for Israel. In fact, God wanted Samuel to go on a journey to find this new king. Take a look. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is in the Old Testament. We don't touch on 1 Samuel a whole lot. I'll give you guys just a moment to get there. It will be on the side screens, but open up your iPad, your iPhone, whatever Bible app you got, or your Bible in hand. And we're going to be camping out in 1 Samuel 16, so go ahead and keep that place. 1 Samuel 16 says this, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, here's what we might not be able to necessarily read into a whole lot, is that this was really all the information that Samuel was given. 
All Samuel knew, being hundreds of miles away, was that he was going to Bethlehem, the small town, to find this guy named Jesse, who had at least two sons, because only one of the sons would be king. So that's really all Samuel knows, and Samuel has to trust that God is going to lead him on his journey. Now, another thing that you might not have caught is the fact that Israel already has a king. Israel currently has a king, and that king's name is Saul. But God has actually rejected Saul because on several different occasions, Saul had completely disregarded and disobeyed God. And so Samuel, this old prophet, gathers all of his things together and prepares for a journey to the other side of the country to find this new king of Israel, whoever he might be. Back in 1 Samuel 16, we're going to jump to verse 6. 6 through 8 says this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. So the Bible tells us that God led Samuel to David's house. And as soon as Samuel steps foot in the door, his eyes are immediately drawn to Eliab, who is David's oldest brother. Ladies, your eyes are doing the same thing, all right? Eliab is a stud, like he's a warrior, he's athletic, he's a tall, dark, and handsome guy. You know, like everyone's eyes are drawn towards Eliab. And so Samuel walks in and is like, oh, this is easy, like there's my boy right there. But God's like, uh-uh, not him. In fact, what we find is that Samuel goes through every single one of David's brothers and none of them has God chosen to be the next king of Israel. And so I kind of imagine like God being like, oh, all right, Samuel, like, come on, let, let me help you out here, right? And God basically says, look, Samuel, don't get this twisted. I'm not looking at what you're looking at. Samuel, I'm looking deeper. Samuel, I'm looking at something different. I'm looking at his heart. And Samuel, none of these guys have it. I mean, that's what God is looking for in this new king of Israel of God's chosen people, a man after God's own heart, someone who actually legitimately truly cares about the same things that God cares about, not just someone who acts the part, not just someone who looks the part, but someone who is truly about surrendering their heart to God. See, as humans, as people, we obviously default to looking at outward appearances. I mean, it really is the first thing that we see. Did you know that in 2010, U.S. News & Report did a survey? And what they came back with was that 61% of hiring employers, 61%, they ranked attractiveness as third into what they looked for when hiring new employees. They had experience first, confidence second, attractiveness third. You know number four was? Education. Where they went to school. 
I mean, that's the world that we live in. Outer appearances, they're just what we see. You know what I think? I think that most of us, when we try to picture the people who are going to make a difference, when we try to picture the people who are going to change the world and save the day and be the true heroes, we kind of picture them to be the most talented. We picture them to be the most successful. We picture them to be the best looking. Yet what God is telling Samuel here is that the only two credentials that God is looking for for people that he chooses to use are humble and willing. Humble and willing. So that begs the question, what are you striving to be? What am I striving to be? And what I mean by that is that are we so caught up in the race to be the most successful, to be the best looking, to be the most popular, to be the most athletic? Now, believe me, church, I totally understand the desire to want to be the best. I get it. I firmly believe that you and I should strive for excellence in every single thing that we do, no matter what we do, and honor God in that. But sometimes the question has to be asked, what are you doing that at the expense of? I mean, are we so caught up in the race? Or are we striving and pursuing our relationship with God and his purpose and just allowing everything else to fill in the gaps? Because what we see here is that David, David chose the second option. David chose to pursue God. David chose to pursue God's purpose. And as a result, we get to see how David changed an entire nation. Back to the story. We're back to Samuel, who has now gone through all of David's brothers, and not one of them is chosen to be king. And Samuel, rightfully so, has traveled miles upon miles upon miles to come and do this. He's rightfully a little bit frustrated, and as he's packing up his stuff, getting ready to leave, he looks Jesse in the eye, and he says, Jesse, is this it? Jesse, do you have no more sons? This is really it, just these ones. Verse 11 in chapter 16, look at Jesse's response. He says, they're still the youngest, Jesse said. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Jesse's like, Samuel, don't go. Samuel, just hold on a second. I do have this other son, but I mean, he's just watching the sheep. I, mean, I, I, I can get him if, if, if you want me to, but I mean, it's up to you. And Samuel's like, go get him. And so a messenger is sent out into the fields to get David and bring him back to the house. As you can imagine, this is probably a pretty tense moment. Samuel, the brothers, Jesse, the dad, they're just standing in this crowded room, waiting. I mean, think crowded elevator. No one's quite sure what to say. But all of a sudden, in the distance, they hear footsteps coming towards 
the house. I mean, would this be the next king of Israel? The youngest of all the brothers, the sheep watcher. So as the door slowly creaks open, David steps into this crowded room, probably having no idea what's going on. Maybe looking around and make sure something hasn't happened to one of his brothers at this all of a sudden emergency family gathering. But as David steps into the room, the old prophet hobbles over to David, takes out his horn filled with oil, pours it on top of David's head, and the oil runs down David's face. I'm going to read from the message translation, verse 13, because it takes a beautiful approach to what just happened here. It says this, Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him, David, with his brother standing around watching. I mean, this is an incredible thing. This is like they just got ex America Got Talent style, you know? The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God empowering him, David, for the rest of his life. Picture that moment. To be a fly on the wall. I mean, Samuel, this old man, bends down to whisper into David's ear. And David then hears those words. David, shepherd boy. David, youngest brother. David, who I almost missed if I hadn't have asked your dad. David, you will be the next king of Israel. Woo! Spread the news, call my friends. I mean, dinner's on me tonight, boys. Like, I got you. Uh, Samuel, can you say that a little bit louder? I got oil in my ear. Um, what did you say again? Go ahead and announce that. Man. That's what I would have done. <laughs> if I'm just being real. But that's not what David did. I mean, I would have made a huge deal about me getting seriously promoted, upgrade to the next king of all of Israel. But not David. I want to fast forward just a little bit in the life of David. We just read from verse 13 where he was anointed. I want to jump to verse 19. Verse 19, I have no idea what the timeline of events was. All I know is that it's after the oil was poured on his head. 1 Samuel 16, 19 says this. Then Saul, who is the king, King Saul, sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. Okay, context. Again, this was after David was anointed as the next king of Israel. The Bible tells us in this way that right after David was anointed king, he walked back out the door, back out down that same trail, and went back to watching his father's sheep. I mean, I can imagine 
And I am certain that David's brothers and his dad and his friends are like David, like maybe you didn't quite understand what just happened there. What was in that oil, right? Like maybe you're not quite sure what just went down. David, give yourself some credit. You have been watching sheep since you were a kid. And you have just been anointed the heir to the throne. Get a hold of yourself. And David's like, no, I get it. I got some sheep to watch. And they're like, no, David, like, really, you don't get it. David's like, yeah, I got it. See, David wasn't concerned about his appearance. David wasn't concerned with his status or how he came off to people. See, David was far more concerned with God's purpose for his life at that time. And since he was anointed as the next king, keyword next, king of Israel, David knew that right now his purpose was to be a sheep watcher for his dad until God said differently. So it was back to the fields, back to the training grounds for the freshly anointed King David. You see, as insignificant as watching sheep was, David remained faithful to it. And maybe you sit here today, and I can stand here today, and we kind of think to ourselves that maybe the time that we try to spend reading the Bible, the time that we try to understand the Bible, the time that we try to pray, it may seem insignificant. Or how about maybe you're trying to wrangle your kids or trying to pass that class or trying to make ends meet so you can keep the light bill on. Or or maybe you're just trying to make a difference in someone's life who just isn't getting it. It may seem daunting. It may appear thankless. But whether it's a small chunk of your day or whether it consumes every hour of your life, the reality is, is that God is watching you and he's watching your life. He's watching to see if you have the integrity when no one else is looking. He's watching to see if you have the integrity when it's just you. And he's focusing on your heart to see if you're truly willing to see if we're truly humble or if just maybe we're just a little too concerned, concerned with our status or our appearance or our reputation. You know, I think, I think we're all trying to find a cause. In some way or another, we're trying to find a cause. One of my favorite authors, his name is John Cuff. He puts it this way. He says, have you ever thought, why am I here? What's my mission in life? John says, I have, and I pray about it intensely. Of course, what I want is for God to give me a big cause so that I can do big things for him in big ways. Every so often, though, God reminds me that he doesn't think like I do. God says, you really want to be a warrior? 
You really want to be a hero? I can bring you adventures, no problem. But those things are tiny. Catch this, church. Those things are tiny compared to the cause of surrendering your heart and your soul to me. That is your cause right now. As cliche as it all sounds, I believe that God has big, crazy things planned for all of us. I really do believe that. But the biggest adventure, the greatest cause, the grandest purpose, the most incredible heroic act, all begins with your heart. That is where a true hero begins. David was a nobody. David was a nobody. And you, chances are, you can sit there today and you and I, we can identify with that. Because sometimes we feel invisible. Sometimes we think that no one sees us. Everyone else has a talent. They have the success. They have the looks. But me, I'm just average, and that's just on a good day. If you feel like that, if you've ever thought that to yourself, you have to know that you are the perfect candidate for God to use to change the world. You are the perfect candidate for God to use to save the day. You are the perfect candidate for God to use to be the hero. David. I mean, David went from watching sheep at his dad's house to becoming the next king of Israel. I mean, that is a huge jump in the corporate ladder. David was chosen by God himself because David cared about the exact same things that God cared about. And because David was faithful in those very little things that most of the time you and I so easily overlook. So what happened to David? I mean, did David grow up and go become king and live happily ever after? No, not even close. Because what you and I know is that we know David's story. We know that God used David to change the course of history. And as you'll see, as David walked out of his house, down the exact same path that he traveled every single day, with oil dripping down his head, you'll see that David's story was just beginning. David's story was just beginning. And would you believe me if I said that ours as a church, yours as a family, yours as an individual is just beginning as well. So long as you're humble, and you're willing, you too can be God's appointed hero. Would you guys stand and pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, God, what an amazing example from such a quick snapshot into the life of David. God, we know David to be big. We know David to be powerful. We know David to be, influ- to be influential, God, but he didn't start off that way. Heavenly Father, as we sit here today, as we stand in front of you, God, I ask for humility and I ask for willingness so that as we launch into the next few weeks that we would understand that our story begins with our heart. The true path to being heroic God starts with our cause of surrendering our hearts to you. God, I ask for faith. Faith that when we get frustrated, when we get irritated, when we get bored of these mundane, small things sometimes, God, that you would remind us of what you have called us to do and where it all begins. God, we love you. We give you our worship. And we ask all of these things in your powerful, purposeful name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.